0: I basically entered the light, and I was the light. Limitless, vast light. I felt that I was that light, that I was God. That's what God is. I understood that I knew everything. I felt that I was everything that had come before, and that was right now, and that ever will be. I could hear myself talking in a voice that I didn't know. One of the things was, give, for ye shall be given. Take, for ye shall give. Feel free to do this. And no one was blessed be the people, for they are the light.
1: Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado, and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. you're listening to Spirit Sisters. I'm your host, Karina Machado. As always, I'm so glad you've tuned in. I have a fascinating guest. Yes, another one to introduce you to today. Born Lynn marie Uden in South Australia, my guest changed her name to the single name Evanya in 1995. There's quite a story behind that and behind the meaning of the name that we will get into during the course of our two-part conversation. Now, Ivanya has blazed a trail in so many areas of her life. A former police officer in South Australia, she went on to work for the United Nations in Vienna in the area of security and safety services, and later she became the first female sports reporter in Queensland. As she hit career highs, Ivanya was also going from strength to strength in her sport pistol shooting which culminated in her representing Australia at the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, the only woman on the shooting team. But what should have been one of the joyous moments of her life was overshadowed by what happened when she returned from the Games. As Ivanya puts it, her whole life caved in when she lost absolutely everything, husband, possessions, cars, businesses, the lot. Then, on December 12 of that year, 1992, Evanya had a spiritual experience that transformed the course of her life. The effects of that unexpected gift were so staggering that nothing was ever the same again. The experience also led her to explore in depth various religions and spiritual traditions which honoured the yearning for God that she'd felt since the age of five. Today, Evanya is focused on entering politics so that she can serve and make a difference. This is her sole purpose, she declares. Evanya had so much to share with me in the interview that we recorded the conversation in two parts. I am so excited to present to you part one of my conversation with the inspiring and delightful Evanya. Please note that it wasn't possible to record in the format I usually use so I hope you can forgive the less than perfect quality of the audio. My wish is that the content more than makes up for that. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Spirit Sisters Evanya. Thank you Karina. Goodness we could spend a number of shows just merely talking about your fascinating life path, your many careers and accomplishments and not least of which is as an Olympian shooter. But, Ivanya, true to this show, we're going to focus on your spiritual life and how that has supported your life's journey and eventually how it's informing this latest phase of your life, which is as an aspiring politician. Uh Uh-huh, yep. But let's begin, if we could, at a pivotal moment of your journey. And this is the spiritual or enlightenment experience that you had on and it seems like an auspicious date the 12th of the 12th in 1992. So Ivanya if you could take us back to that moment and the challenging events that led to it that that would be great.
0: Okay when, when I came back from Barcelona in 1992 um, before I went I gave up a very good job, which was actually a CEO of the Firearms Safety Foundation, so I was doing a lot of lobbying and things like that. But because of the time I was away in Europe, um, I resigned, and I went to Europe for three months, and we did the Olympics, I came back, and I hadn't won a medal, even though I'd finaled, which I was happy with. But what I didn't realise was, during that time, my husband hadn't been working, Um, as much and had been spending a lot of my money and he went back to Austria uh, to visit his mum and he basically didn't come back and so I began to and that was at a time when uh, mortgages were 16% And I just couldn't, I was losing everything. You know, the cars were being taken away. Uh, I had to put the house up for sale. I had no money to do anything with. Um, I didn't go on the dole. I had no idea what I was doing. So it was a real struggle. And at one stage, I kept thinking, I wonder if this is karmic. I wonder if we keep doing this to each other, Mm. life after life. Mm. And that thought got me meditating each day. I had been meditating when I was younger, but I started meditating. And I had this little prayer saying, I want to stop the cycle. I want to do the right action. I want to stop the cycle. I want to do the right action. And I went to a past life regression therapist to see what I could find out for my past lives. And I went in and went under her hypnotic spell or whatever it was, and I wasn't allowed to see my past life. But what I did was – and it's really hard to put into words, Karina, because I basically entered the light, and I was the light. This is like limitless, vast light, and – I, I felt that I was that light, that I was God. That's what God is. And I, I understood that I knew everything, even though I knew I didn't know everything. I felt that I was everything that had come before and that was right now and that ever will be. I, I can't describe it. It was just this vast consciousness, I guess.
1: That's fascinating, and, Ivanya. And was it a sense that you immediately entered this dimension or this space, which, as you describe it, has so many parallels with the near-death experience, which I'm sure we'll go into later. But was it immediate or, you know, talk us through a little bit, yeah, how that actually unfolded.
0: It was. Well, I mean, you know, the regression therapist, um, you know, I went down some stairs and through a door and through a golden mist and all of a sudden I was the light. And I was talking to her as well. And I I could hear myself talking in a voice that I didn't know. And I remember just my body was very uncomfortable. My head was at a really weird angle. But I was just connected with this light. It was like, um, and I was saying things. I remember one of the things was give for ye shall be given. Take for ye shall give. Feel free to do this. Another one was, "Blessed be the people, for they are the light, and the light is white." And as I said, white, I understood on another level that it meant pure, and it was that light that I was in. And I was saying all these things, and it was like I could hear myself saying this stuff, and I'm going, "What?" <laughs> wow. So there was, a, you know, there was another part of me that was observing as a witness while I was in this state. And I sort of, I think I brought myself out of it because it was, it was too much and it was too scary for me. And I popped my eyes open and the lady looked at me and she said, oh, oh, have you ever done this before? I said, done what? And she said, well, channeled or talked in, you know, and I said, no. <laughs> and, and I said, and all that stuff, I said, I don't believe in that religious <laughs> bullshit. Oh, wow. And she said that wasn't religious. She said that was spiritual. And I said, what's the difference? Because honestly, I had no clue. Anyway, she said, oh, I think that's, and I was I was pretty shell-shocked as well. And I said, well, you know, I came for a past life, but, you know, obviously I'm not going to have that. So anyway, I paid her and off I went. And I went home and I began meditating again. Um, and I was just doing three minutes in the morning, three minutes at night. And, you know, and I was pretty much OCD, I guess, at that time, you know, into control and wanting things my way. And I thought, I'm going to go back and I'm going to get a past life. (laughs) So two weeks later, I went back to her again and I went into that white light again. So when I was in this light the second time, my understanding was that before we incarnated, um, into into physical form, the soul of my husband and my soul made a contract and basically he said, look, I love you so much, I want to help you move to the light quicker. What can I do? And I said, well, I seem to be stuck in, you know, my soul. I seem to be stuck in materialism and you know, my possessions being who I am and, you know, it would be really good if I could understand about that. So his soul said, okay, well, how about we meet and we do the circumstances so that you lose everything and that helps you. And I said, oh, wonderful. And then, you know, eventually we were incarnated, we met each other, we got married and all of a sudden
1: this all happened and I'm going, what's going on, (laughs) you rotten uncle? Oh, wow. That is so interesting because... Well, first of all, I think that anybody listening right now can relate to an experience of being in conflict with somebody in their life or that sense of quote-unquote betrayal. But what you're illustrating is this fascinating sort of inverse perspective where we can, you know, we don't have the full picture here on our 3D reality and the person that we perhaps, you know, believe is is has wronged us, is actually assisting us like that's quite yes. fascinating yeah
0: yes and and I must admit you know as I lost the house and the cars and, and my identity really because I was so wound up with everything that I had who I was you know I didn't have a job at that time I didn't know I, I didn't even know how I was going to feed myself um, all of these things so in the in the physical realm and the mental and emotional realm, I was so distraught and and lost. But this experience became my lantern so that when I was struggling to think, how am I going to feed myself? You know, I have to have a garage sale. I have to start selling things. Um, it, there was still this part of me that thought, you're going to be all right. This is okay. This is what's meant to happen. And there was still a part of me that, even though I lost everything uh, material and physical, that what I gained spiritually was so much more valuable so that I couldn't hate him. You know, there was still a part of me, of course, that was angry and and lost and and felt betrayed because he was my friend. He was my mate. You know, he was, you know, I never thought he'd do this. And... But that lantern was what kept me going. I kept meditating every day. And that helped also to keep that connection with my soul, which brought me experiences and gave me inspiration. Like, you know, one meditation, I was thinking, oh, what am I going to do? And I went into the meditation and I was just sitting quietly and all of a sudden it was ring so-and-so. And I rang her and she said, I've got the perfect job for you. And, you know, I got a job and off I went again. So it was it, that that experience of going into the light and understanding that we are spiritual beings, having a physical experience is what has kept me walking on the path and going against the tide and standing strong, regardless of the circumstances around me, which had been really, really difficult mm-hmm. for, for you know twenty odd years.
1: Because you are you are an Olympian as well, and there's so much cachet that comes with that. You know, it's so you, you weren't just you know not that anybody's ordinary, but do you know what I mean? You had reached that other level as well in in terms of your sport, and we can maybe perhaps we can touch a little bit on some of your um, amazing career paths as well. Because you know you were security expert for the UN. Did that come? Was that before? Did that was that part of what you lost as well? All of that. The career highs? It,
0: well, everything. My whole understanding of, of what we are here on this planet for changed. So with that, everything else changed. I began to, to look at self-discovery and to find out exactly who I was and what I was and, because I just thought what I'm doing, there's more to it than that. And mm-hmm. I had been locked in, you know, as I see it now, more egotistical pursuits. But those those pursuits and the and the passions within me as well, particularly for justice, and that's why I was I was a police officer, and I was an army army reservist. You know, I was uh, sniper trained. All of these things, I was you know of the, and I was one of the first police women to be trained at um, South Australian Police Academy. And we went out on patrol. So I was pushing the boundaries of everything that I've been in. And then even with my sport, I was a sports journalist. I've always wanted to be a journalist. But I was told at a young age, we have copy boys. There's no such thing as a copy girl, go away. Gosh. So, you know, that dashed my my dreams of being a journalist until I was a mature age entrant. And I found out that I could actually go to university and study, even though I hadn't finished you know, matriculation and everything. Yeah. I could take a test and and go for that, and then I I did that, and then once again I was I was Queensland's first professional female sports journalist. So once again I was pushing pushing buttons, yes. being treated being treated dreadfully, but still just going ahead with my vision and my dreams. And you know, the Olympics was part of that. I represented Australia eighteen years, and. It took me all that time to get to the Olympics. And then once I'd gotten there as well, and with this enlightening experience, I I changed. I I wasn't that competitive person as I was, Mm. because to me, that sort of level of competition is about showing the world that I'm better than everybody else. Mm And I had come to the realization that we're all equal, we're all one, we're all doing the same, and... That there's no such thing really as better than or lesser than, and I could no longer be as competitive in the
1: sporting arena because of that belief that changed. That's a very powerful impact that the experience had on your life. Uh, perhaps share a little bit more, if you can, Ivanya, about the, the other ways that this enlightenment experience impacted your world and your life and your, your path. Oh gee, well, I suppose you know. As I was
0: working to make a living and to, to pay back the debts and and everything else that I needed to do, I I then became a massage therapist. I I learnt Reiki. I, I with my meditation, what happened was one day I had heat in my hands and I had an experience with a friend that scared me. What happened? And, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I was just running my hands over his body <laughs> to get more intimate. And I felt all this heat in his in his hip. And I said, oh, oh, that's funny. Do you have something wrong with your hip? And he said, yeah, actually, I have a problem in that hip that comes and goes. I mean, oh. And then I went, oh, there's heat over your stomach. I said, do you have problems with your digestive system? And he said, <laughs> yes. And, I mean, I had never been anything to do with any of this sort of stuff before. And then I rang my hand down his legs and I said oh have you got a problem with your right knee and he looked at me and he said yes and I kept going and went oh and I'm running my hands over his feet and I'm going oh oh hammer toes hammer toes what does that mean and he sprung out of bed and he just he 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 went up against the wall with a look of horror (laughs) just looking at me and I said what, what, what are hammer toes? And he said, when I was born, I had what's called hammer toes. Wow. Where the, where the ligaments are not long enough. He said they had to cut all the ligaments and stretch them and sew them back together.
1: It sounds went, like oh. quite an obscure thing. I've never heard of that. So it yeah, quite strange I, for you to come out with that.
0: <laughs> I know. So I, it scared me enough. I rang my friend who I knew knew had done Reiki and I said, Oh, that Reiki, Reiki, rookie thingy <laughs> you learnt, I said, I think I've got it. And she said, well, actually, you don't have it unless you're attuned and initiated. And I told her what was happening. And she said, well, obviously, you know, your centers are opening up because of the meditation. But she said, you need to learn it. So that weekend, I I spent the rest of my money, or my hard-earned money that I had, I went and learnt Reiki. Yeah. And that gave me the framework to become a natural healer and to understand all that and it was almost like as soon as I learnt it I had people you know I was standing standing at um I remember standing at Centrelink well it was CES in those days yep. and this person in front of me collapsed in a, and had a fit epileptic fit well I'd never seen one before so I just put my hands on it and, and I could feel all this heat going and I said oh can someone get a you know get a pillow or something and I turned them on their side and made sure you know they're okay and, and I could just feel all this heat. And then all of a sudden she sat up and she said, oh, oh. And she looked at me and she said, how long was I out for? And I said, oh, about a minute. And she said, oh, normally it's about half an hour. That's the quickest one I've ever had. And I thought, oh, wow. And then people had accidents. Um, the cat next door got sick. Um, all these sorts of things. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I'm meant to be doing this. So that was only the very beginning of, of, of finding jobs and moving to places, listening to that inner voice in my head that was telling me, you know, move to Sydney. I thought, oh, right, okay, learn massage, oh, okay. And I started doing all of these things, and I found that whenever I listened to that voice, things turned out okay. It was still a bit of a struggle, but they turned out okay. Mm
1: -hmm. And it was that inner voice and connection
0: that has helped guide me all these, you know,
1: 25, 30 years. Listening to you tell that, I I can't help but contrast it with your comments when you were in the past life regression that didn't work out in that sense. But when you you came out of it, you you were quite humorous in that you said, I don't believe in that, you know, that bunk. (laughs) And then so I'm thinking of that woman who was at that place in her life who's now dealing with, you know, hands-on healing with Reiki, with meditation. It just seems like a, a complete about-face.
0: I know some people would probably call me a walk-in. <laughs> but, yes, obviously it was time. And, you know, I think of the Buddhist term that they have is terma, which is when the seed is fertilized and it pops open. But, you know, obviously it was time for my soul to do that. And I was given the opportunity because I – didn't have children which actually was one of my greatest sadnesses because I was single I was able to travel and do things by myself and think about myself and try and feed myself I I probably would have made different choices I guess if I'd had children and if I'd had children maybe my husband wouldn't have left me it would have been a totally different life but I was given the chance to go I was a Sai Baba devotee for 12 months in Sydney
1: okay and
0: when I was very young, I, I remembered, I, I just remembered one of the things when I was young, really young, all, and I, I used to think all I want to do is wear a salary and sing to God.
1: How old were you then?
0: Oh, I don't know, about five or six, you know, and I used to, you know, that used to every now and then I just think, oh, I'd love to wear a salary and sing to God. And in the quiet moments. And I got to do that as a Sai Baba devotee because I was, I was very much involved with the Indian community in Burwood and Strathfield. And we actually opened up a, a new Sai Baba place in Paddington where we did a lot, lots of bhajans and singing. And we would go out to groups and teach them how to do bhajans and singing.
1: For and anyone who um, doesn't know about Sai Baba, can you just give us the briefest overview about who he was?
0: Uh, Sai Baba, okay, there was a shirty Sai Baba who was a very strong guru in India and then there was another chap called Sai Baba who was little and had really short curly hair and um, he became a guru and a lot of people, millions of people followed him and I've certainly seen, I mean, I've got so many stories about miracles that I witnessed as as a devotee for a while. He's now been a bit debunked. He was a naughty boy. I cannot, however, discount my experiences that I had during that time, and am ever grateful for the teachings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those teachings from gurus are about how not to be as well, you know. So it was a huge amount of teaching for me at the time, and you know, I really had a wonderful time wearing my saris. Apparently, I wear them very elegantly, and you know, I, I, and getting in, involved with the Indian community, which was wonderful. And they're just fabulous people. I just really enjoyed that. And then I had an opportunity to do a lot of Buddhism as well. Um, and Buddhism is my go-to for principles and um, as well as Christianity. And my spiritual life involved with my... Religious understanding, I guess, is very very important to me in how I walk my life and walk as an example and not just talk it, but actually walk the talk. I had another example where I was for 12 months, I was actually in a spiritual temple, so we had a lot of guest speakers from overseas, really amazing people um, that have written books and, you know, been really held in high esteem and... That was really a wonderful time too.
1: What sort of temple was that, Ivania? Uh, and, and where was it?
0: It was uh, the Eagle, Eagle Heights Spiritual Centre, and there was a lady called Elizabeth who was the founder and the base of that. And it was a lot of spiritual stuff, you know, doing clairvoyance and um, channeling and um, healing and All sorts of things, you know, and there was a Native American healer, Grey Wolf, who came to Australia and I connected with him. So we did, you know, things like healing drum making workshops and he had um, uh, sweat lodges and, you know, all of this sort of stuff. So I was really given an opportunity to see and work with some really interesting people and from different cultures and, mm. and see what their beliefs were and actually see them in action. You know, I also yes. had a, an amazing healer who came to me when I was in Sydney, Jerry, and um, he taught me – he was an, um, an Aboriginal healer and he taught me a lot about crystals and um, all sorts of things too. And, you know, I saw interaction between him and Grey Wolf and it was just – unbelievable the day that they met and how they met I mean that's a whole new story as well so I was given an opportunity to not only experience a lot of things and to see things in action but to 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 work out where on earth all of this sat Mm. in the greater greater picture of things
1: yeah so it sounds like your your 1992 enlightenment experience opened the way to you sampling a number of spiritual paths and as you say, your circumstances really allowed you to be able to immerse yourself in these various traditions and really experience them, which is not something that many of us probably would have a chance to, to do. I don't know if you're at the end of that exploration or not, Ivanya, but what would you say you drew from that? Like what, what essence or what really stayed with you as the most profound teaching for you personally, if, if we could distill it to that?
0: The common thread of love and the vibration. Everything is vibration. And, you know, being, I still teach Reiki. I'm a traditional Reiki Jinkei Do teacher, um, which has discipline and exercises and all sorts of things as well. And, you know, the whole thing is about vibration. All the atoms are just vibrating and they create things. We create things with our thought. And I know that we are really powerful beings and we keep giving our power away. And it's really difficult to be in this physical plane because it is dense. And I think the longer we're in it, we do have a chance to be more tempted with it. Keep connecting, keep meditating, keep understanding that our soul knows what we're meant to be doing and to trust. I, you know, let go, let God And trust that there is a big plan happening, of which I'm only a small part blundering along in it, but I'm willing. I'm willing to learn each day. I'm willing to keep myself open to experiences, and I really want to love as I am loved, and that's it.
1: So when you say to love as you are loved, tell us about that kind of love, and how how does it differ from the kind of love that most of us might know here on the Earth plane?
0: Oh, good question. I think you know love. Well, if we use the word love, and it has so many different layers. And I think a lot of it is conditional love, and love with strings, and emotional love, and where I went is beyond words, Karina. I can't understand, I, I can't, I, I I can't describe it and even now feeling what I felt at that time is um, I haven't been able to get to that stage again. It was like I wasn't looking for it but I was given it and now that I'm looking for it, I can't find it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, because it was so vast and so limitless. But I do, on, on my... In my spiritual level, I understand without words that, that that place is where we have come from and where we go to. And and I felt too at the time that our sole purpose of being on this planet is walking in physical form and bringing in physical form the the condition of love in spirit. And that's everyone is trying to do that. And, and there are so many different ways to, to do it. That's why we have so many different people walking this planet because everyone is trying to find their way back to that.
1: That's really powerful, Ivanya, and that really resonates with me and I'm sure with a lot of our audience what you're saying, that's really, really powerful and especially all the different ways that we can or we try to, to find our way home and to mm. express that kind of love and, you know, I'm thinking about, my podcasting, my writing, like th- those are ways that I, I navigate and yes. e- each of us has that creative spark and, you know, we'll talk more later about your political journey at the moment, your aspirations. That seems to me like a way that you're potentially trying to express and find your way back to that love. Would that be accurate to say as well?
0: Yeah, it is. I was actually thinking about it the uh, yesterday actually and I could give many words to justify why I'm doing what I'm doing and where I'm at. But the short answer, if I listen to my heart and what it's saying, is that what this is is the expression of my soul journey. I have to do it. I can't not do what I'm doing because this is, my, this is the expression of my soul and I'm just following it.
1: And the thing that strikes me as I listen to you share some of your life path and story with us and all those different uh, spiritual paths that you've sampled and all all of that career experience too is that it was all in a way in training for this, for this phase. Yes,
0: exactly. And, you know, I've been doing monthly presentations here for a couple of years which have now stopped, you know, because of COVID and because of circumstances. And I always knew that I was it was in training and like I had speech impediments when I was when I was born I I didn't talk for the first three years so I think I'm actually you know high-functioning autistic when I look back at a lot of stuff and I was told to shut up if I couldn't speak right if I couldn't speak proper shut up and I taught myself how to speak and even doing public speaking um you know I've spoken to thousands when Kieran Perkins didn't turn up one day and Sally Ann Atkinson looked at me and she said, "You're up. <laughs> Twenty minutes of motivation, and there are like five thousand people staring at me
1: <laughs> oh, That's a classic.
0: And I know that I can be a very persuasive speaker, and I and I've needed to understand the power of the word and to ensure that what I'm saying is for the right intention and the right purpose and i think i'm ready i think i'm strong enough for that now if i'm not well i'll find out but Mm. i think i'm really strong enough now that my words are heartfelt and soul guided for the good of humanity that's that's all i want to do is service humanity and do the best i can do
1: i'd like to go back a little bit you you touched on your childhood which sounds so interesting for want of a better word at at this moment but I had in my head to ask you, did you have a sense of or a hunger for the spiritual as a child? And you answered that when you said that at the age of five you you had this yearning to wear a sari and, and sing to God. I mean, that doesn't sound like the the common desire of a five-year-old or, or at least what they would express. But although I do think that children do have a hunger for that mystical experience and that direct experience of, of God or the universe or whatever we might want to call it, and And for me, it emerged as sort of a hunger for these stories of the afterlife. To me, that was that. Please do share a little bit more about your your childhood and and that kind of spiritual yearning that you had.
0: I was a middle child. I never felt really loved or, or liked. <laughs> and you know i had I had problems. I was bullied. my brother was a bully. My sister stuck with him and bullied me. and um, it, it was a really interesting childhood. Uh, in that, it's I've looked for happy occasions, and they, you know, they elude me a bit. And when I was about, I reckon probably ten or eleven, maybe a little bit younger, I would light a candle and just stare at it and meditate, or I would read the Bible, and those two things were the only places. I found peace in what I considered to be a chaotic um, uh, dysfunctional family around me. Um, And I, you know, I I was a very sensitive child, so I think I felt things probably more as well. So, you know, I won't say violent, but I mean, you know, bullying and over-controlling and all of this sort of stuff that I had, I really felt that in my heart. So reading the Bible and, and just meditating on a candle, those were the two things that I used. So, And then when I was working when I was about 18, seven, well, I started working 16, I guess, um, so 17, 18, I was doing a lot of reading. There was a local Theosophical Society where I worked, and I used to get their books, and that was all about UFOs and clairvoyance and reincarnation. So I was reading, I was avidly reading all of that stuff and loving every bit of it. Um, and reading, you know, about Egypt and, you know, just everything. Yes. I I loved reading. Yes. And and then I started, you know, drinking, having boyfriends, you know, getting my own car, you know, or, you know, yes. as life does. And then I, you know, became a police officer and all of this stuff. And 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 then fast forward, I guess, to nineteen ninety two, you know, in all of those periods I was just living life as I thought it should be lived and then 92 just hello you know woke me up to the other side of things and all that I had learned earlier then started making sense as well
1: okay so do you think that by the time you had that experience in 92 you had turned away from that spiritual foundation and you or you had stopped by then taking comfort in the thought of of higher power or what may be
0: yes Yes, I think you've got that right. You know, probably when I was writing and doing things like that, I had some peace, but it wasn't something that I focused or concentrated on. I did a lot of sport, and I think sport was also that valve for me to get out a lot of anger out. And I was doing lots of running and swimming and shooting, although the shooting was not from anger. But I I got that, that energy out of me through swimming and running and other sports that I played as well.
1: So you yeah. yeah, you mentioned, Ivanya, that when you had the enlightenment experience, you underst- it was like your ego was dismantled from what you're saying and you understood that all of that had to fall away. So do you feel that that phase of your life just prior to the experience uh, at the past life regression that that was that period of your life where you were very much into the material and the, the output of the body, what the body could do. Like, is that what you, you mean when you say that you were very tied to what you could hold and have and be? Yes.
0: Yes, absolutely. It was very much into the material. And, and even so, you know, like even with shooting, I still had experiences that were spiritual. I remember when my it's probably my first trip away was Mexico. And I met someone who took me to Teotihuacan, which is, you know, moon and sun temples and an amazing place. And at that time it wasn't big. I mean, now it's huge. But then there was hardly anyone there. And we managed to, you know, clamber up the top of one of the temples. You know. Oh, <laughs> that, my goodness. We do that. <laughs> and we clambered up, you know, rock by rock up the top. And I remember when I was standing up there, this was in 1978 and I remember standing up the top of it and as I looked down into the um, area beneath the temple and saw all these little temples and everything, all of a sudden I I heard the sound of thousands of people murmuring and as I looked it was almost like I could see thousands of people looking up to the temple and that I was a, a priest there. And that scared the heck out of me, you know, and and I looked at my friend and I said, oh, did you hear anything? He said, no. I said, did you see anything? He said, no. And I thought, oh, I think I'll shut up. I think I'm going nuts. Mm. And it's interesting, as we were walking out of it, I just remembered that the other day too, that I, I turned to him and I said, oh, just under there is an underground temple. And he said, how do you know? I said, I don't know. I said, it's just come to me. And about five years ago, they found a temple of the jaguar. I think it was, or maybe it was ten years ago, or something. in In the area where I pointed, so you know, I mean, the, that I had that experience. I had another experience when I was in Austria, and this was all before you know my awakening. Um, I was in Austria, and I remember I was in this beautiful church, and I was standing there looking at. There was a, a little chat, a little side chapel to Mother Mary. And I was hanging onto the rails there and just looking at her. And, uh, you know, probably whenever I saw Mother Mary, I would used to say, oh, please protect me and please help me. I don't know what I'm doing. And some nuns came out and were singing. And all of a sudden I felt this zap. And it was like I was blinded by white light and my knees went weak. And I was hanging hanging onto the bars of this chapel and going, oh, what was that? And my friend came along and she said, Are you all right? I said, oh, I feel drunk. (laughs) She said, you look at what's going on. I said, oh, I just got zapped. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I have no idea. I said, I just got zapped. I said, you know, is is there lightning happening? (laughs) Maybe I was hanging on to lightning rods. I don't know. So these sorts of things were happening to me and every now and then. So, And this is why I think that these were all parts of the preparation of of, um, fertilizing that little seed within me that needed to pop at the time that it
1: popped. So you were having these experiences prior to the awakening and mm. I assume you had continued to have them after, although you would have had a different perspective on them after. I wonder, yes. from our previous conversations, Evanya, I know that you've had so many of these and, and we all love a good story and you've shared a couple of beautiful ones just then. I love those. Please feel free to share any of your favourites or the most Absolutely. profound moments.
0: Well, you know, I had another one which I hadn't talked to you about and and that's about mum and dad visiting me after they died and I had about 10 years of being their main supporter and I went to Adelaide after everything was sort of closing down a bit, you know, my massage wasn't, you know, I was I was contracted and there weren't Many jobs coming in. It was winter. My, my lease expired. All these sorts of things. So, I, you know, I put the tail between my leg and went down to Adelaide and um, to live with mum and dad. And thought, oh well, I'll see if I can get some jobs down here. And it was interesting because dad had uh, a heart attack, so I had to help mum and dad then through rehab and everything else. And I got a job as a funeral director. And that was interesting because that allowed me to talk to mum and dad about death and funerals and things like that. Mm. And it was the best job I ever had. You know, I really learned a lot. But also because of um, – before then too, like I had 10 years of, of doing all this spiritual work and I used to have to shut myself off because I could actually see spirit, you know, <laughs> of, of those who died.
1: And, really? Well, <laughs> yeah. oh, you'll have to tell us about one of those moments too. <laughs>
0: And I've got so many stories I know uh, you know I don't know where to start love but the prof- most profound one was with with mum and dad and uh, we always had a difficult relationship I, I was I was not as they wanted me to be and I was you know mum said one day oh you, you've always walked to the beat of a different drummer I have no idea who you are or what you're about <laughs> and they didn't try to understand me either they just kept pushing me to try and be in the box that they'd put me in and that they wanted me to be in. And after they died, Dad died first and then Mum had about 15 months by herself, which was wonderful because Dad always was the limelight. So she got her chance to be in the light and everyone fussing over her, which was great. Mm -hmm. But after she died, um, I took her ashes down to Adelaide and I was going to take them over to Elliston where she was born because she used to say, oh, I'd love to be buried with mum and dad, but, you know, their plot has been taken up. We got letters saying, you know, the the leases were all up on this particular one and I don't know what happened to them. So my cousin picked me up at the airport and he said, are you sure you want to go to Elliston? He said, I've been there. It's awful. There's nothing there. And I said, well, mum wanted to be with her parents, but, you know, their plot has been taken back and there's nothing there and he said no 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 he said they're actually there Um, because because mum's little brother who she loved died in 1942 or something they had a 99 year lease so um he was put in there first on a 99 year lease and then grandma and grandpa were popped in there so the lease was still there and they were still there in the old part of the cemetery and I said oh okay well I'll let's I'll I'll make all the inquiries and see if we can pop her in there and the next morning I went to a friend and I'd I'd forgotten that she used to do mediumship and clairvoyancy and anyway we're sitting there having a cup of tea and she said oh my goodness she said your mum and dad have just popped up behind you and I said oh have they (laughs) and she said yes would you like me to give you their message And I said, yeah, go for it. (laughs) And she said, they want to thank you for all the years that you helped them and looked after them and protected them. And they didn't appreciate it then, but they are so thankful now. Also, they wanted to say how sorry they were that they never tried to understand you and they understand now that you are like an earth mother and they give their blessings for everything that you do and to thank you. And I just burst into tears because they'd never, ever said anything like that to me in in life i would never felt that they you know loved me or liked me or you know understood how much I was helping them or anything else I just did it you know and I learned so much in, in, in doing that I, I became so compassionate and loving as well which I'm so thankful for mm. but it was it, it was like it really it impacted me and, and, and gave me huge closure about all the anger and animosity I was holding about some of the things that had happened to me as a child and you know it was like wow and that that to me was was very profound Karina that that was just wonderful
1: oh just so powerful and thank you so for sharing that so beautifully and so authentically you really transported us there and it illustrates that story. Illustrates the supreme power, the healing power of these experiences. How, in a moment, you know, of this otherworldly contact, so many sadnesses from a lifetime can begin to to be healed. You know, it's yes. extraordinary.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I, I I do feel you know so blessed, Karina, because I've had so many of these experiences that have helped me understand on a totally different level about humanity and life and you know I mean I I still fall back into my you know silly idiosyncrasies and (laughs) and you know horrible thoughts at times and (laughs) uh, you know and then I I I, I discipline my mind say no forget it no 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 come back come back be loving be more loving be more loving and you know it it really helps me to uh, remember and I love I, i'm I'm going to be using it in my campaign, but I love the element of the Namaskar, which is when you put your hands together in prayer position in front of your chest. Mm-hmm. And the Indian saying of Namaste, it's got a lot bigger meaning, but really it's about you know my my soul and that part of me that is connected to to God and is light and love. Is connected to your heart, which is connected to light and love. So I'm honouring my soul to your soul, and I really love that. I use it a lot, particularly when I come across someone who you know I, I think, Oh, you know, that person is so irritating. And, you know, and then I, I just think in my mind, Namaste, 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 Namaste. And I, 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 I keep going until I, I connect my heart to their heart and get rid of our personalities because that, that person is probably thinking, oh, God, she irritates me. <laughs> and, it, you know, it helps me to to get away from the the thoughts and the judgments and everything and the opinions that we have, which really... You know no one cares about in the long run you know in the long run it's yes. about this heart to heart connection yes. and, and that's what i want to do is talk to people's hearts from soul to soul and and to get think we know better and and i think it's time that we can do better as well in so many things and you know i i really feel that as i said at this moment is my soul expressing myself and the soul, when it's allowed to express itself, expresses love, and compassion, and kindness, and respect, and care—all of those things which you know we need so much.
1: All of the good stuff, yes. And mm. you, and you're right, Ivanya, There's a real sense at the moment that the world is absolutely hungering for that. And you know, we're seeing we're seeing the opposite played out, or you know, all of these projections, but. It's beautiful what you share there about namaste and and taking us into the deeper meaning of a word that for many of us has perhaps become a little cliched. And it's beautiful to be reminded of the very deep meaning at the bottom of it, you know, at the heart of it. And it strikes me as you share that, that so many of the wisdom traditions have that message at their centre, you know, about the ultimate truth and beauty within every person, which is that divine spark and that the teachings that are around honoring that and turning away from, you know, the manifestations of the ego and no matter what, you know, and there we get, you know, Jesus's teachings perhaps of turning the other cheek and love your enemies and all of that as well. Would you agree? Do you think that, those, that there is um, a common thread to many of the traditions that you've Explored over the years, and and that common thread is about honouring that that divine spark in each of us.
0: Absolutely, Karina, absolutely. And and when I was doing some research, you know, I found in in an old hymn book, in some Buddhist doctrines and some Upanishads, Hindu Upanishads, a, a similar theme, and it was basically lead me from darkness into light, from death to immortality, and from reality to truth and that was in all three and that's a common thread I love it I've put it on my Reiki site and because it means so much to me and that the major religions have it but they don't talk about it yes. and you don't find it you know if someone said well where exactly did you find it I wouldn't have a clue yes. I just know that at the time I was singing a bhajan that had that in it and not long after I found I was on retreat in a Buddhist place and I found it in a book that I just pulled off the shelf. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then about a year later when I was looking at some old hymn books, I thought, oh, my God, there it is again. And, you know, I didn't think about, oh, where did I find it or what verse is this? And I keep saying to people, you know, about the Bible and they quote things, and I said, stop quoting at me. I said, what does your heart tell you? And if you listen to your heart, it says what's actually in quotes. But it's, it's about living the experience, living the word and and walking
1: that talk. Oh, gosh, and isn't that the biggest challenge? You
0: know? Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. I wonder how do we – how have you found – let me ask you personally, what have you found has aided you in your impulse or your intention to, to walk that, that talk?
0: The light experience that I had, Karina, that continues – to remain my lantern, that's my carrot. And every time I got down or depressed, and believe me, I've had PTSD, and, and you know, I think at stages I was bipolar. I don't know. I've I've really had and suicidally depressed at one time as well. And and that lantern has been my guiding light. And I, I and every time I remember it, even though I can't actually see it or picture it anymore but I remember having the experience and that memory I just keep keep going, keep going, keep going, you know what's right just keep going regardless of what anyone's saying, keep going, keep going, keep going and and that experience, you you came on it a little bit with the Quan Yin with yes. the meditation that I got was, you know, because I've always felt that I've been going against the tide for so long and standing up for my truth um, against people who don't necessarily find the strength to do that. And so I've often felt that I'm just a lone swimmer against the tide. And the meditation that I had with the Kuan Yin, who is the Asian version of of Mother Mary, um, is that the tide has turned and I'm now swimming with the tide. I haven't turned, but the tide has turned around behind me and there are many, many, many who are coming behind. And you're right about that hunger. People have this hunger to find their spirituality and find because things are not working how it's always been working. And when that happens, it knocks the rug from out, out from under us and we have to have to look at our lives and priorities and what really works for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that hunger is coming from. It's a huge time of spiritual evolution and it's really, really exciting even though it's very scary for many people
1: it is so exciting when was that experience uh, with kuan yin in your meditation
0: um that was about oh gee about a month ago
1: oh so very recent
0: yeah i went on a retreat and um and kuan yin has been sort of picturing and coming in to some of my meditations you know what i do is a, a budo um with a meditation and, um, and she would just, a picture of her would just sort of come into my mind of now in a beautiful energy of compassion. Um, Mother Mary's often been with me as well. You know, I just feel I just feel like I've got this cloak of compassion and mercy around me. And, um, How beautiful. And I'm, when I've done some healings, I've, you know, seen a vision in in front of me that they're, you know, that I'm, I'm not alone. And so I just had this wonderful connection and and so I went up to when I was up in Bundy not so long ago there was this lovely statue of Kuan Yin so I had to buy it (laughs) I had to get it support local industry and um, she's just looking beautiful in my little room and um, you know all of these things just keep reminding me that's the thing it's it's a reminder of these beautiful energies that I've been so blessed and surrounded by so often, you know, I'm, when I'm sitting quietly or meditating, I, I, I feel like I'm in the presence of, of Jesus or the Buddha. You know, just these beautiful energies just come and, and sit around me. And, you know, once again, I feel very blessed because of the, the experiences that I've had that, as I've said, we've only touched on a few of them. Um, but I really feel that they have been behind me because I, I also pray and I, I get everything I pray for. You know, that could be another another session in itself
1: as well. <laughs> to discuss prayer, I agree.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I always get what I pray for. I just have to be careful what I pray for.
1: Well, you know, I think, Ivanya, that um, we're going to come back and record part two of this, and this is probably a good time to, to stop for today. We've got so much to continue talking about next week. We're going to talk about your memoir, uh, From Guns to Gurus, and your your name change and more of your you're going to share more of your beautiful spiritual experiences and you're going to share about your brush with death that happened recently and why and how you're a walking miracle so there's so much (laughs) there's so much for us to talk about in the next episode and you know if we go to the inaugural three-part episode of Spirit Sisters. Well, so be it, but we're going to continue this conversation.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Karina. I, you know, it, by doing this as well, you know, I'm so appreciative of it because what this does is give value to my experiences and and to give value to my pains and traumas which have been helped along by my spiritual journey. So, mm. so you are giving me worth... And value just by doing this so I I really do thank you
1: oh well, thank you so much for saying that that's a really moving perspective and I've had a sense of that in the past when we're sharing stories about seeing spirits and I'm going to ask you about that too I'm making a note right now Vanya (laughs) (laughs) but often when people are sharing their ghost stories with me I do have this sense that it is an honouring of the ghost, of the being that we now call a ghost and of the life that they lived and of all of their sadnesses and all of their joys, you know. So I do, I, I really appreciate that comment because that's what this sharing of stories really facilitates and, you yes. know, and it lights the spark in others and, you know, yes. and on and on it goes, that that beautiful namaste That air of namaste or that sense of it really permeates um, the sharing of stories, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We will be back to record part two next week. And in the meantime, I I really thank you for your time today, Ivanya. Uh,
0: Namaste, Karina. (laughs) Namaste to to you you.
1: and to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback. So please message me through my website, karinamachado.com or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. <music>